It's so easy for me to love this audience, and I do love you so much. Uh, and I love the timing and God's timing, and I love this note from Granny J. Thumbs down on rock music reviews. Don't see how God can be honored through world's music. In the world, not of the world. Won't listen. Smiley face. Just my opinion. Hey, I get it. That's been my concern. I struggle with it. I do. I listen to my playlists and I struggle with it. I listen to playlists in the, in the gym that I don't normally do that anymore. And I struggle with it. But what if, what if in defense of rock ballads, what if we can see God, even when the people who wrote the songs and performed them don't? The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now... From the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. American Financing and AmericanFinancing.net. In this economy, man, I'm telling you, no other company. They can get you a cash out or traditional refinance in as little as 10 days. They make decisions around the kitchen table and they're a national mortgage bank. Yep, a married couple, 20 years, saving people up to a thousand bucks a month. All you need to do is go to AmericanFinancing.net. Yeah, that's actually an email that Granny J wrote to me. And the, the genesis and the reason for doing this show is it's a sense. And one of the things that a really wise program director once said to me is if you have a sense of things internally, the audience will often have a similar sense of things. And I look back at the topics we have covered this week. I mean, just, just in the past two days, talking about a silent genocide. Uh, talking about the, the, the ways that the party is using the behavioral kill shoot techniques that they practiced in the largest ever global PSYOP, how they're using it to, to create kill shoots around food. They're building behavioral kill shoots so that we end up uh, having to get so-called food from, from Bill Gates and from his stakeholders. They're building behavioral kill shoots around electric cars. And it is, it is an extremely frightening time. And if you are not saved, I would think it's, you'd be frightened. I mean, they're frightening times. But, but the Bible reminds us constantly to be thee not afraid and, and fear not. And I think it's 365 times, which conveniently enough is, is usable once per year, one day per year, that we can reflect on that. And I have this sense from, I don't know, maybe it's just a sense. Maybe it's just me that these topics are so heavy. Now, I mean, yesterday, you know, we, we chatted with Jim, but I mean, that's also kind of a heavy, heavy topic. Jim Putnam, um, my, uh, my pastor, you know, that's, that's also sort of a heavy topic, honestly. And today th there'll be a bit of heaviness uh, around the topics um, because I've got some emails that are fairly heavy, but that, that lead off from Granny J was, why I even struggled to do this show. But I have a long-held belief, and I'm saying there's no biblical support for this, I want to be clear, other than God created everything in the universe. God created man and woman, man and woman, he created them. In his own image, he created man. And there's support for the fact that God created the existence of music, 
our ability to create it. Um, our, I would argue that we have a need for music. It exists in all cultures. I, I would argue that there's a commonality through most cultures, even on musical form. There's, there's some, some standouts where the, the musical form is quite different. But we have a need for narrative, for story. The Bible is the greatest meta-narrative in history. It's the greatest story in history, and it has the advantage of being true. So God has implanted in us needs for things. So even when people themselves are not godly, I think we can observe things about God by listening. And look, there are cheesy rock ballads. Like I have sitting here um, a whole bunch of cheesy rock ballads I thought about playing just, just for fun. And they are kind of fun. And some of them are okay. Like I, I have a soft spot for Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison. And, and Brett Michaels, I think, wrote that song. I don't know why. I, it's a very simple song. It's, it's sort of his desperado, his, you know, riding off a horse in the sunset thing. It's a pretty song. And all those guys sort of wrote from the same perspective the, and frankly, the same chord structures. And, and so we could do that, but there is something to a, a, a band that's a heavy band or does heavy music, you know, slowing it down. Okay. We're going to slow it down now that I speak, I think speaks to the duality of God almighty in our broken mirrored sense. I'm not at all saying rock stars are gods, far from it. Most of them are completely lost. Most of them don't know the Lord. Many of them are, well, actively against the Lord. Many of them, I don't, I mean, I don't know their hearts, but there's a duality to God. The same God who went to the cross in the ultimate act of submission also said uh, to King David, yeah, uh, utterly destroy them. Utterly destroy the people who aren't worshiping me. Lay waste, leave nothing behind. Leave no scraps behind. There's a duality to the Lord. And the Lord Jesus himself will return. Uh, not as the gentle Jesus, as people think of him, and as he, as, as he was uh, when he spent three years discipling the original, you know, the apostles. He'll, re he'll return to judge. Uh, and at that point, as a warrior king. But even that placed into the narrative of, 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 you know, movies portray that warrior king. And I mean, movies that are based on, 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 on the Bible, like Lord of the Rings, that's the warrior king returning and, and, and being redeemed and taking back the planet. So I think that this narrative, and I think that this need for music, and I think that when it's a heavy, heavy band that slows it down, I think it speaks to this duality, you know, because rock music's all about fake tough, as I see it. Most of these guys aren't tough guys, but, you know, the loudness, the distorted guitars, uh, even like the Rolling Stones, not necessarily. Well, I mean, no, they kind of do play tough guys. Keith Richards still tries to be a tough guy. And is what is he, 90? And yet when they slow it down, it, it gives us this permission, or at least as a young man, it gave me permission to say, OK, it's OK to have a soft side. Now, not in front of your friends. I don't know if you remember this, but man, you never admitted you liked the ballads in front of your friends ever, ever. And I do remember, and I'll, and I'll talk about it today. I do remember the first time another friend shared with me that he liked the ballads and it was a huge risk he took. But this journey began for me with my father. And he, I remember it was nighttime. We were coming back from a visit. And I said, let's listen to some music. And my dad had an eight track player in his car. 
my mom and dad were divorced and, and I had been out alone with my dad that day. And he had an eight track player. And I said, play Elvis for me. And he said, I don't know if you've ever heard this song. And you know, I don't know if you remember eight track players, but it was hard to you know click through to the next song. And Elvis, Elvis was raised in a Christian household. Uh, did Elvis know the Lord when he died? Man, I don't know what you know through all those drugs. And I hope that he knew the Lord and I, I hope that he's with Jesus. And the most famous of Elvis ballads, of course, is Love Me Tender. My dad loved that song, but he played another one for me. And in this, I don't, I don't know how we don't hear at least the remnants of a young man who was raised in a Christian household. I love the simplicity of it. I love the violin playing. As the snow flies. I love the environment. On a cold and gray Chicago morning, a poor little baby child is born in the ghetto. And if I talk during this song, I don't have a licensing issue. FYI. And his mama cries. Cause if there's one thing she don't need, it's another hungry mouth to feed in the ghetto. Well, don't you understand? Your child needs a helping. He'll grow to be an angry young man someday. Take a look at you and me. Are we too blind to see? Do we simply turn our heads and look the other way? Well, the world turns. And if you don't know the song, uh, the song sadly ends with the boy committing a, uh, buying a gun and committing a robbery. And, you know, it's another death in the ghetto. So hearing the Lord in this, I mean, I don't think that's that hard. We're talking here about the least of these. You're talking about a young man from Tupelo, Mississippi, who saw plenty of hard growing up, but then lived a life of, I mean, excess is putting it kindly. And all the riches of the world. You know, the Lord Jesus was tempted with that. Satan took him to the highest places and said, well, I'll give this all to you. It's been given to me and I'll give it to you. You simply need to take the knee to me. And the Lord Jesus would not. Of course. And Elvis had the world. And maybe he was a good enough performer that he could sing a song like that and, and pretend to mean it. It doesn't sound like pretending to me. And it doesn't sound like acting. It, it sounds like he meant those things. And he certainly, he had to know. He had to know how fortunate he was. He had to. Because of where he grew up. Evolution doesn't explain any of this. Evolution doesn't explain how we can hear a story of, in this case, it's not even, a, you don't have to put bone on the character. It's just a, it's a kid in the ghetto. And your mind can fill in the images, but there's no evolutionary reason for us to care. There is no evolutionary reason for us to even care about narrative. And I've, I've talked to, people who are atheist evolutionaries and, or evolutionists, and they say, oh no, it's a communication device. No, it's not. 
It's, it's, it's no, a, a communication device is, hey, there's a kid in the ghetto who bought a gun and, and tried to kill someone and they got killed. That's a communication device. Narrative comes with too much craft. And when you put music to it, God invented all those tones. Uh, he invented the ability to put the tones together. He provided the ability for us to make the, the instruments. He created the math that made it possible for us to figure out recording devices and the magnetics, because that's early on how this was done. So I can listen to a song like that and, and easily hear in it the Lord. So that was my, my, my father's introduction to me. And I, of course, I didn't think of it as a rock ballad. I just thought, wow, that's a really slow song. And it meant something to my father because it's why he was a social worker. Because there were kids like that. And Elvis was his musical hero. Because Elvis had a low voice. And my dad had a low voice. That's why he loved Elvis. Of course, as a young kid, when I first heard a ballad that was of my generation... It's one of the ones that, that, that some people wrote in and, and did respond to my request to nominate ballads. But I also said that we would intersperse this show with, with tough emails from listeners. And so I'll get to this song that was the, the first one that I can remember saying, oh my gosh, I love this and I can never tell my friends. So this is a note from Zachary in Washington, D.C. Todd, you're spending too much time on the Bible. It has made you weak. Conservatives need to kick ass and take names or we will lose this country. What happened to you? You used to refuse to pay car tab taxes and follow illegal guns in your state of Washington. Why does Jesus make you a weak sister? Wake up. We need you back. Zachary from Washington, D.C. Um, Zachary, appreciate the note. I appreciate you listening to the show. I just said two weeks ago, I just said, I just answered an email from someone saying, hey, does Romans 13 mean you're going to you know, buckle down and, and pay illegal taxes? No. No, it doesn't because th those, they break the law. They violate the Constitution. The, the Constitution for me, that, that is the law of our land. That is the authority. So I haven't, I haven't changed my opinion on that, not, not even a little bit. You know, what the conversation I had was if they actually do a constitutional amendment and they actually do a legal process of a constitutional amendment, and they then come back and say, okay, now we've amended the constitution. You do not have a right to firearms. What I said is, man, I'm gonna have to pray about that. I know Christians who say, oh, I'll turn in my guns on that day. And I've said, I don't know that I have enough faith. And then I return to the Lord. Some put their faith in, uh, in horses and chariots. As for me, I put my faith in the Lord. I don't know if I have that level of faith. Zachary, to be honest with you, but weak sister, wow. Um, if you can point to me other podcasts that are referring to the satanic nature of what's going on or calling out Mitchell McConnell on the consistent basis that we do here or Kevin McCarthy, um, weak sisters, I, I would take them as weak sisters. But brother, I would just also ask you this. What are you trying to win? Uh, the final chapter, the, the final win is not saving America. It's the greatest, con it's the greatest uh, second prize in, in the world. It's this, the greatest second place, uh, place prize anyone can ever have is to save this country. I, I fully agree with that. But Zachary, um, there is an eternity. 
And my, my sights are focused on the eternity and your soul, brother. It, 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 that's, that's where my head is at. And the consolation prize, the greatest consolation prize in history of saving the United States of America, if enough people turn to the Lord, that I believe that the Lord shows us. Now, I'm not saying that I, the United States isn't mentioned in the Bible, but his behavior time and again is when a country turns back to him, he, can come, he comes back and supports them. He comes back and the bad things stop for a time. That's a consolation prize. But if we do that and also win souls, then we get the ultimate prize. In terms of weakness, um, I guess I'd need more specifics from you as to what you what you consider to be weak about the show. But anyway, I can I appreciate you continuing to listen. Thank you, Zachary. All right, so the first rock ballad I heard that gave me permission as a young man to you know to be soft, and I'll tell you some embarrassing things about this. Really, really embarrassing. Um, when this song, when I first heard this song, it was on a live album. And uh, my friend Eric had given me these records and they just blew my mind because I had been listening to Gordon Lightfoot before that and the Beach Boys. Um, and this, this band blew my mind because I was a young kid. I was uh, sixth grade when Eric gave me these records. And I put them on and they were tough and I'd never seen anything like this band. And, and my mom hated the music and she hated the name of the band. And then this song came on and it hit me immediately, which again speaks to me of the godly design of music that here I am a tough angst ridden teen who was getting, and I, I'm not kidding guys. I was getting kicked out of school on a weekly basis on a weekly basis. I don't know why they didn't expel me. They expelled me on the last day of sixth grade, but I was getting kicked out on a weekly basis. Then it got, I, I become that unruly. And the song just brought this softness. And this is, um, this is from uh, Pete, or calls himself Petey. He said that's his old band name. He writes, um, Todd, the best rock ballad ever recorded is Beth by Kiss. Why? Because it's honest. I was a touring musician for two decades and only ever made it to regional fame. People who make it in music are a mess for the reasons that song describes. No time for anything but the band. Love the show, putting God at the center rocks more than any band. Petey, my old band name, my real name is Peter, after the Apostle Peter from Los Angeles, California. Hey, this song is syrupy. It is. I've seen it performed live twice. It's just syrupy live. Um, it is pretty. It is simple. I don't know that Peter Chris sings well, but no one else can sing it. I hate it when Paul Stanley performs a song or any of the Peter Chris imitators. There's something about his voice in this. And maybe it's what, what our brother Petey or Peter said about this is that it does have this honesty. And again, I heard the live version first time. And I, I, I sat down behind the piano and, and, and tried to pretend playing it. My mom caught me doing that once. Gosh, that was embarrassing. So embarrassing. If I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now. Me and the boys are playing, and we just can't find the sound. Just a few more hours, and I'll be right home to you. Can I do? Beth, 
I don't know that, that that Peter is the greatest singer, but he's an effective singer for that song. And I once heard um, his wife at the time describe what that song meant to her. And, and I think I recall her. I think her name was Cindy. And I think I recall her saying, yeah, it made me angry because it felt like uh, the band was making money off of this pain uh, that I was experiencing. But man, I remember sitting there behind the piano pretending I knew how to play that song and pretending I was singing. And I looked up and there was my mom watching me. But that's, that's not the song that, that, that a friend of mine finally said, I like that. Oh, I found out later he liked that song. But that's not the one he said to me. Actually, he said, actually, I love this song. And it gave me license to have that soft side. It did. It gave me license with a boy who was desperately trying to act tough. But he was the most loving young man I think I've ever known at that age. He was without guile inability to do anyone harm. He was the most in misunderstood of young men. And I was so blessed to get to see him before he died of Lou Gehrig's disease. He was the first male friend I had around whom I could show a soft side and admit hurts. And it came because we connected off of this device designed by God, music, and a rock ballad most people have never heard. My brother, Zach Abraham, Bulwark Capital Management, uh, he has a song. And next time we have Zach on, I'll have to ask him uh, to admit there's a song that makes him cry. It's not a rock ballad. It's actually worship music. And it makes him cry. In fact, <laughs> he loves it so much, he forgets sometimes that he's told me about it a couple of times. I'll get a text from him going, oh my gosh, this is playing at the gym and I'm crying. I'm like, yeah, yeah, brother, you told me about this song. I'll try to get him to admit that um, to the audience next week. Bulwark Capital Management is a company um, this, this time is now. I mean, they're very successful. It hasn't always been that way. Zach worked for investment companies that, that had the housing crash and everything. And he finally turned around and said, I'm going to turn this to God. I'm going to start my own company. And so it's been building success for years. Bulwark Capital Management, it's focused on risk management. If there is a need in the financial world for people who are like five years out, or even 10 years out from retirement based upon how much, you know, how much money you have saved and how your assets are doing. If there is a bigger need than risk management right now, I can't imagine what it is. Topside gain. Well, sure. That's part of Bulwark's strategy. Topside gain is a big deal. But if you watched all the Bitcoin things tumble this week, you watched the stock market fall apart. And you have the, the people who run Joe Biden causing him to pretend that inflation ain't that bad. At least they're done saying it's transitory. So other companies want to talk gain, 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 or conservative, conservative, conservative. Zach's portfolio, Bulwark Capital Management, is about risk management. And there's good news in all this. There are still people who are getting incredibly good news when they contact Zach and at Bulwark Capital Management. And they go through the portfolios. And he's been able to say to people, you know what, you could actually retire now. And, and be locked and really then start to run on that that you've spent your life building 
So there's so often good news at this, and it's just something that you owe to yourself to check out now. Are you set up for risk management? Call Bulwark Capital Management. They're at 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management's an investment advisor representative, Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. So I said I would, I would, I would you know, hedge a little bit in the show like, like Zach does with investments and intersperse the songs with some of the tougher emails. And some of them are very, very good, you know, very supportive emails we've gotten. There's a lot of those today, as a matter of fact. Um, but this one comes from a long time listener, Giraffe. Uh, it's Giraffe Whisper. Hello, Todd. Even though I'm still smarting from hearing you call a pride parade a free speech parade and don't seem to be even close to grasping that God is pleased with Putin for saving children. In fact, having the spiritual pride to convict him of being a godless evil murderer with no right to protect the sanctity of the Russians, especially children, I'm sending this. If you notice my communication has dropped off, it's because you appear to be unreachable as far as getting away from Gmail is concerned. God bless you for all the things you get right. Still listening. Giraffe. All right. So, Giraffe, I appreciate the notes. Let's let's go back through some things real quick here. Um, I did not say that God is unpleased when people save children so long as he they are leading the children to the Lord. Leading them to Putin is not, in fact, saving the children, maybe saving their earthly lives. Nor, in fact, did I say that he doesn't have the right to protect Russian, the, the sanctity of Russia. I, I never said that. I said that specifically as the dictator of Russia, his right. I said that the United States caused the coup in Ukraine, that they knew dang well this would cause this reaction from Putin. I said it at the time because my opinion hasn't changed the least. But the article you sent me, and this is in the show notes, you can read it. It's from Mike Adams at um, Natural News. Russia, which is now far more Christian than America, just introduced a new law criminalizing LGBT propaganda. But, but Brother Giraffe, that's not Christian. Brother, if you can find for me, the portion of the New Testament where Christ banned speech, I'm all ears. Uh, or more to the point, when the Lord left the earth and went back to heaven, did he say, guys, listen, form a political party and get the strongest dictator you can and start banning stuff right now. When people speak against me and specifically speak against me to, to draw children away from me, I want you to ban their speech. I want you to give the power to one man to determine what is and is not sayable. That's the great commission. But brother giraffe, he didn't do that. That's not what the Lord Jesus did. And more to the point when the Lord Jesus was on the cross, he could have gone, he could have made Putin look like a bug. He could have snapped his fingers and destroyed everything around him. And said, okay, you know what? You want to put me on a cross? Okay, let's, hey, step, step to me. Try me. And he didn't. He gave us this model. The propaganda, LGB, and there's no such thing as transgender. It doesn't exist. People use the word. It means nothing. It's a, it's a meaningless made up phrase of gibberish. 
and it's being used to harm children. I think it's of the, of the enemy. It's evil. The fix for that is not empowering a dictator to shut down speech because unfortunately, gay pride parades are in fact speech. Because it's never the thing in, in something like this, applauding Putin for doing this, you can then say, oh, he can say, oh, okay, so you like it when I ban speech. Oh, cool, I'll ban more. From a political perspective, no, I'm not going to say, hey, cool, Putin's banning speech. Now, if Putin was serving and not being served, and if he was in fact teaching Christianity and practicing it, we would see different fruits. And, and nothing in this says, oh, and Zelensky is great. I, I, I've, I've been super clear. I don't trust Zelensky. A country with that many bio labs in it and, and, and that much affection for actual Nazi groups? No. So, Brother Giraffe, man, I am not seeing where, where, where you're... I, I cannot get with you on Putin's a great guy. Sorry, I can't. And I don't see what he's doing as being Christian because I see no model of Christ doing these things or acting this way at all. I appreciate the note. I appreciate you still listening to the show. Oh, incidentally, Giraffe, if, if there's mission critical stuff to send to me, I have, I have emails for that. Okay. I have a private, secured, encrypted email, uh, proton mail. If you need to send me something mission critical, let me know. Anyone who wants my mission critical address can have it. I don't give it out a lot because I don't want it filled up a lot. I want it to be for mission critical things. So this dear friend of mine who taught me how to be cool. I've talked about him on the show before. His name was Eric. He taught me how to be cool. I didn't know I would have been at a really painful time because I was about as geeky as a kid could be. And back when I grew up, geekdom meant, meant violence imparted upon you. And a lifetime of having been bullied. Maybe I would have been a better person had I been bullied. I probably would have been, quite honestly. And I didn't have to go through that pain because of Eric. I don't have any idea why he was drawn to me except what he told me. It was my family. He sent something in me and I sent something in him. And he told me just before his death that I rescued. Well, I actually said to him, Eric, you rescued me. You taught me how to be cool and you rescued me. And I want to thank you for that. And he was sitting there with his Lou Gehrig's disease. He said, that's funny. You rescued me. He goes, Todd, the family meals we had at your house was the only healthy family life I ever knew, ever. I called your mom, mom, because I wanted her to be my mom. That's why I loved spending the nights at your house. That's why I would spend, I would ask your mom, can I spend another night? And your mom was so kind. Because do you know that I once slept at your house 10 days straight? It's because there was real family there. So we were downstairs in his room in Eric's room. And, and when I say his room and this, I don't want any of this to come across as judgmental of his mother. She was a single mom who made a whole series of bad decisions. She got her life together. She came to know the Lord. 
and she got her life together. But at the time, Eric's room was an unfinished basement with a whole bunch of access to a whole bunch of alcohol. And this is sixth grade. And when I'm talking about access to alcohol, I'm saying that Eric and I in sixth grade, it wasn't uncommon for us to each drink half a case of beer in sixth grade. And then we started to introduce the hard liquors and everything. I'm telling you, I, I always tell you, I grew up half redneck. Well, if that's not proof, I don't know what is. So we were both really working on acting tough. And I was much bigger than Eric. So then he was convinced I was much tougher than he was. And maybe it was. I did sports and boxed and wrestled and he didn't. And he was every girl I've ever known in whoever saw Eric fell in love with him instantly. And he was the most misunderstood of boys. He told me later the only time he had ever had sex was with the woman he married. And he could have had sex so often. But he was such a gentle young man, despite wanting to look like a hood because we all wanted to look like hoods. And there was a very godly thing, I think, that was God inspired. And it's from the most ungodly of bands. I say what you will about the Rolling Stones. In my judgment, they're an ungodly group of people who don't know the Lord and have all the riches of the world at their disposal, but they don't know the world. The, the Lord. I'll tell you about the song and, and how Eric introduced it as we continue to defend rock ballads or do my best to do that. The, um, the story, the story behind Alan's artisan soaps I shared with you yesterday. I don't spend enough time on the product because the, the story is so good in the building of a company that respects life at all, all parts of life. Most importantly, people with special needs who are just otherwise discounted by the party. And, and to be frank, the party would just as soon have done with them all. I don't spend enough time talking about the fact that the, the product itself is, is brilliant. And the way that they went about getting this product created says so, so much about the John. John runs a company on behalf of his son, Alan, who is the chief soap officer and comes up with a lot of the, the, the very brilliant creations. What John did is he went on a worldwide search for someone to help him because they designed some of the scents. They had the cedarwood jasmine thing designed, I think. They had the lavender rosemary scent of the soaps design. But John went on a worldwide search to find someone, hey, will someone help us with this? I know I wanted to do soap because people will always need it. This company exists so that my son, Alan, so deeply impacted by autism, will always have a place to work because it's his company. And then we'll create other companies like this, showing people that it can work this way. So he went and searched the world that he found back in the Midwest, another family that have made soaps for three generations, all the way from the old country to over here. I think they're in, I think they're in Pennsylvania. And they took them some of the scents, vanilla lime, I said watermelon, basil, lavender, rosemary. And they sat down and told him the story. And the guy who ran that company said, okay, I get it. I'll help. And so this partnership is born. Three generations of expertise in creating small batch soap, all with 100% natural ingredients. And Alan himself continues to invent new scents. He's involved in the quality control process. So when you get your soaps every month from this company, you are supporting the fact that every human life matters. 
that God wants us to care for the least of these and you're getting one heck of a product. If you don't like the product, don't continue to use it, but we ask you to try it. And if you do, remember you get the soap plus every life matters. Go to allenssoaps.com, A-L-A-N-S soaps.com slash Todd. Get the Herminator sub. It's an instant 10% savings. Six bars of soap, a soap rack, a soap pouch, and a fluff. All at a 10% savings. Allenssoaps.com. So we were sitting in that uh, unfinished basement, Eric and I. And I don't recall if we had used alcohol that day, but I would be surprised had we not. And we're sitting in his room. And we're listening to the Rolling Stones and he had the records, uh, he had Hot Rocks. And that was a double record, as I recall. And so we listened to all the, the iconic Stone songs. And even then I had a sense that, man, this guy struck me as really evil. And the song Sympathy for the Devil, which we use sometimes, which is, by the way, a great rock song. Um, but, but I hear that like, wow, they take way too much joy in this. And then the lifestyle these guys lead. So how can there be godliness in this? Well, sometimes as I listened to this particular song that, that started to play and I, and I said, oh, we can, we can, we can fast forward it. That, that, that's not the phrase. Oh, let's skip this one because I was afraid to like it. Let's skip this one. And Eric said, no, no, actually, I really like this one. I really like this song. And he turned it up. And it is a beautiful song. The interplay of the acoustic guitars, the, the, the Stones do not get enough credit for that. Keith Richard does not get enough credit for his open tuning because he is an inventive guitar player. And hidden in all this is Ron Wood, who was really the lead guitar player. Keith played, I mean, he could play anything. But Ron Wood helped drive that band in so many ways. And they don't get enough credit as a band that just great players together. And again, I get it. There's this evil to them. I just, I truly believe there is. But I said, you could fast forward it. And Eric said, no, no, actually, I like this song. I remember being really uncomfortable when it began because, oh, man, we're two guys listening to a slow song. People are going to think we're gay. We're alone in the house. Your sister's here. things you wanted, I bought them for you. 
Uh, yes, the great expression of love. You wanted things and I bought them for you. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to you know, poke fun, but I look at the series of wives that Mick Jaggers had. Dude, you bought women a lot of things. And I think you've got a whole number of kids uh, from these women. And again, uh, far be it from me to be the judge. The Lord's going to be the judge. So on one hand, just based upon the knowledge of what is God, that we can hear that and go, wow, that's how you saw love. But as a kid, man, that, oh, I bought them for, yeah, I want to buy my girlfriend things. And, but the, the godly portion of this to me was a friendship that sustained itself through a period of time where Eric and I didn't talk for 15 years. But the sense I had of him, it became okay from that point on for Eric and I to talk about hurts. It came okay for him to talk about, do you know that he told me one day, you know, I, you, do you know that I don't actually know my real dad? This, this guy that my mom says is my dad, I don't think he is. Because my mom, you know, his brothers and sisters, they, they've got four different dads. And I just, I don't have anything in common with this guy. I don't think he's my dad. And I remember him telling me, dude, it, and he didn't say dude, because we didn't say that at the time, but it really sucks. I remember Eric helping me through my mom and she had a boyfriend who didn't treat her very well to begin with. It turned out to be a great guy because my mom helped him change, but I remember Eric helping me through that. See, God puts people in our lives for these reasons. And to be this duality, this tough guy, this, this soft interior that was with Eric, that's, that's represented in these songs. Even if these bands never know God, they're using his instruments. They're using his ultimate instrument, instrument, which is love. Yes, there's the God that will come in vengeance. Not vengeance, in righteousness. He doesn't, he doesn't need vengeance, but will come with righteousness and righteous judgment that he will pour out the cup of wrath on the people who refuse to turn to him. That's a reality. That's going to happen. But it's also from this great love he has for us and this great hatred of sin because it harms these things, us, whom he loves. I think a lot of us have had these experiences with these songs, songs like that. I remember sitting down and taking a great big risk once. <laughs> it was a goofy risk. But when I was a kid and, and the first time I think I ever had a, a date kind of outside the house, we were, we were at a park and we were hanging out and, and, and we had our big, you know, what they call that ghetto blaster a big jukebox on the arm, this massive thing carrying around. And, and I played a song for a girl. First time I ever did that. And I actually genuinely think that this is a beautiful song. And I think the piano playing is great. I think that the singer was at the height of his talent. And he's still a very talented guy. But you speak of a guy who doesn't know the Lord. Yeah, this guy doesn't know the Lord. But God gave us this need for togetherness. It's not good that man is alone. He put, planted this desire in us that, that, that Satan twists into the sin, sin desires. And certainly I'm not going to say I didn't have sin desire that day in the park. I did. But I also deeply, deeply liked this girl. And fortunately, I was raised around a mother who gave me respect for sexuality and that it belonged in the right place at the right time. And I'm not saying it was perfection on that, but yeah, I played the song. It was from the toys in the uh, attic album. 
and it was this huge risk and, and what's going to happen. And what happened was something I didn't ever expect to happen. I still think it's a beautiful theme. And I think it's a tough guy admitting to something that there's no evolutionary reason for us to cry. There's no, there's no evolutionary reason for tears. It can only be an act of God that we cry tears. And this is You See Me Crying by Aerosmith. to listen to the song it's banal honey what you done to your hair <laughs> oh steven tyler sure had me fooled so the song played and the young lady's name was dawn and she pressed pause i thought oh no here i, I blew it because i like a soft song and she said do you know how to dance and i lied yeah let's let's slow dance uh, okay. <laughs> I had no idea how to dance, but right there on a, on a park in a park on, um, gosh, it would have been 32nd, somewhere like, yeah, 32nd in, in the Valley, Spokane, Washington. We danced. It was like seven thirty at night and it was an, like this very sweet moment. And I don't know that, I don't know that I've ever had anything that just came about organically like that as a kid. And I went home thinking, I'm going to marry Dawn. I didn't. But God implants in us this need for togetherness. And I hope she didn't see me, but I was kind of crying when we danced. I was just overwhelmed with emotion. Like, do people do this? There's no evolutionary reason on earth for that. One song from a listener that my wife is going to swing by because there's a debate. We've been talking about it this week is, is, um, is don't fear the reaper for bluish or cult. Is it in fact a, um, a rock ballad and two listeners weigh in one in support of my wife. Another appears to have a great bit of aggression against my wife. I'm just kidding, but disagrees with her. Uh, first, this note from Tracy, dear Todd, as for rock ballads, my favorite of all time is I remember you by Skid Row. People can say whatever they want, but Sebastian Bach was a great singer. And that song took me through the hardest time of my life when it seemed like every friend I had forgot about me and I still remembered them. Then one by one, my friends came back to me and that song was a big reason why. Because I put it on Facebook and admitted I was lonely. All my old friends came out of the woodwork and prayed for me and loved on me. We even went to metal shows as married Christian women proudly sharing God's word. Love you so much, Tracy from Vancouver, British Columbia. See, we all have these moments. 
And songs like this also speak to something else that doesn't belong in our evolutionary, supposedly evolutionary created minds. Sure, memory for where the waterhole is? Absolutely. Memory for where the fishing is good? Sure, that supports the life. But a memory, a sad memory of someone that you remember? Sebastian Bach indeed was a great rock singer. I saw them warm up for Aerosmith, speaking of Aerosmith. And what I loved about that moment was watching those guys sit up in the stands and study Aerosmith. And I watched Skid Row as much as I watched the Smith because they kept pointing back to each other and making notes of the songs. And Sebastian Bach was the most attentive. The song is almost typical 80s rock. There's that, but there is a softness to it. There is, in fact, that the, the singing is soars in the vocals. And man, was he a pretty, pretty person at the time. Oh, by the way, it's the same chord structure as every song they did this this way. Somehow they all got stuck in these uh, typical chord structures. find me the evolutionary reason for having love memories of people. Someone get Charles Darwin on the phone. There's been a lot of controversy about this in the household. There's even controversy about it in email. All right, the wait is over. What we've been uh, teasing throughout the show. My wife is here. Good morning. And you always regret that there's something you always want to say when we do these things and you forget. Do you want to start that? Well, I don't know. I. I you always say you forget to thank the audience. I would like to thank the audience and thank you listeners because we can't do this without you. I should say my husband can't do this without you. Uh, but it, we're very grateful for the support and the dedication. And we have phenomenal listeners. And sometimes I meet people just out and about who listen to the show. And that's always such a treat for me. And the people are wonderful. Yeah. And uh, God's delivered such a blessing for us. So um, we are having a debate about this song um, from Blue Oyster Cult, Don't Fear the Reaper. And the people, you've got some supporters who definitely feel like the, the song is, in fact, a Christian, not a Christian song, but is, in fact, a ballad. But a lot of people are concerned that it's satanic. And two women sort of present different points of view on this. So uh, let's play the song in a second. But first of all, tell me what you love about the song and why you think it qualifies as a ballad. And then after I play a clip, I'll prove you wrong and then read the listener emails. 
Well, it's, I just think it's a pretty song and it has a lot of memories. That was back in the day when I was a teenager who had the world at my fingertips and <laughs> you had a challenging upbringing uh you didn't I necessarily did. have the, the world at your fingertips yeah i did have a lot of challenges and i found um my solace in music and music really helped me through that era and um it's just full of memories and you know i wouldn't disagree it's satanic it's not like a favorite song of mine but when you mentioned what's a favorite ballad that just popped into my head. And then we, it was funny. We went on and I mentioned other ones and we had a debate about what even is a ballad. That was a funny conversation. Well, actually one of the listeners has a comment. It's the academic going back to the French roots of the word ballot uh, ballad. We'll get to that and her estimation of this. And I had granny Jay write to me saying, I don't want to listen to rock music ballads because uh, worldly music cannot add to the godly experience. And so we've been talking throughout the show about the fact that the, the very expression of love, I mean, this is something God implanted on us. There's no reason on earth for us to have the, the nuanced series of feelings we have as human beings, that there's different forms of love and to miss another. I mean, that doesn't make any sense um, from an evolutionary perspective. I do have concerns about the song, uh, because I do think it has satanic overtones to it. It's sort of celebrating death. It's a beautiful song, uh, beautiful production. Uh, I love the cyclical guitar playing. Uh, it's hypnotic, but a lot of like evil things are hypnotic. I'm not convinced it's evil. And they may well have meant it after the Romeo and Juliet, which some other people say they meant it as. I will say it's not a ballad because it is, it is way too morbid. Um, and it's too fast, but let's play it. Uh, let the people be the judge. We'll get back to these emails. We need to accept. We'll get back to these emails. If I could possibly play the right clip, that would help everybody. But I'm standing up. Normally I'm sitting down when I play clips. So I need to get to the right clip. Here it is. Yeah, pretty difficult to argue with that being a beautiful song. I think it's hard to say it's not beautiful. The harmonies are beautiful. The songwriting is beautiful. Um, I, I do think it's clearly absent God. And we don't fear the reaper because as saved people, uh, we know that death means uh, a beginning of a life with the Lord Jesus and, and him as the king of heaven. So we don't fear it. Um, but that's re the reason I would say it's not a ballad. It's too fast. It's too morbid. Um, it's a beautiful song, but it would be much better if, if there was, if, if they wrote it from a saved perspective, not that I didn't say ballads had to be Christian songs. They, they don't have to be, but that's why I say it's not a ballad. And that's why I'm right. 
So you asked me what were some of my favorite ballads. Rock ballads. Rock ballads, right. So I mentioned others like Boston, more of more than a feeling. And you said that's not a ballad. Too fast. Oh my gosh. Would you say Purple Rain is a ballad? No. Purple Rain's not a ballad either. Maybe I don't know what a ballad is. No, maybe no Purple Rain's a ballad. What about Okay, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. No, goodness gracious, no. Oh my God. Do you think you can tell? Heaven from Hell, Blue Skies from Rain, A Smile so from is, a Veil. So what is your definition of a ballad? I'll, I'll say it again. Slow. It's a slow love song done by bands, Does not it known have to for be, slow love songs. It has to be a love song. I don't think a ballad has to be it a does. love song. Absolutely. I don't think so. Right. I disagree with you. So before we get to listening emails, let me get an update from you on Soda Weight Loss, sodaweightloss.com, how that's been going, and then we'll let the listeners uh, weigh in on this. Oh, I kind of hate talking about this, but I'll do it because it's a wonderful program and I'm losing weight and it's a great program for losing weight. It's pretty easy and I consistently lose weight every week. Lose fat. Yes. Yes. And I can see it in your face. That's awesome. That's that's the whole idea. And, and our friend Mark did the day said, I can really see it in your face. Yep. It's working. And so since it's a wonderful program and it's an easy program, why is it uncomfortable for you to talk about? Because. Because I feel like a failure. I was in really good shape just a few years ago. And uh, after our seriously horrible struggles that we went through as a family, it just, I lost my health and... But you're getting it back and I'm seeing it in your face. And you know what's funny to me is on weigh-in mornings, I can see you come out of weighing in and you've got like this skip in your step. And I saw you getting food from our garden the other day and you came in, look at the food from our garden. It was healthy. Yeah. And I, I've known you for a little while. I uh, hate, about, well, oh, go ahead. No, I've known you for a little while. And I know that you uh, find yourself happier when you drop unwanted fat. I hate to feel like a failure and gaining weight made me feel like a failure, but I'm on the right track. And now I'm not a failure anymore because I'm losing it. So. Well, but then there again, are, are the listeners who haven't yet taken the step, I mean, please don't think of it as failing. Think of it as failing to take the step. It's sodaweightloss.com. My wife has had now, I think it's 13 successful weeks of dropping unwanted fat. All right. So on the topic at hand, the Colts, um, Diane writes, We could be academic here and look at what constitutes a ballad. And from the French perspective, it does right type of rhythm as they did with rhyme in medieval times. For me, it has strong memories of being on my own and ultimately the death of my boyfriend due to fast cars. So as a young adult, I saw it as a message from the grave. Read Romeo and Juliet, read Romeo and Juliet 14 times that year. Beth, I assume by Kiss, is still one of my favorites. Not quite a ballad, but a good heart, good heart route rendering tune. What? That's not a ballad? That is a ballad, Diane. Speaking of another heart, I'm sure I went through my collection. I'd find something there. Although I don't think singing Kick It Out now, now I, that would count. I could go grab my guitar. Glad your wife will be on this Friday. So there's a support for you. That's nice. Yeah. I always wonder if you're going to lose listeners when I come on. We do, but it's worth it. <laughs> Every time we drop about a thousand subscribers, but that's okay. Um, <clears throat> so this is from Michelle. Todd, with all due respect to your wife, Don't Fear the Reaper is just the opposite of a ballad. It's too fast. It's a guy trying to talk a girl into suicide and not in the Romeo and Juliet way, which was bad enough, but in a satanic way. Best ballad ever, Dream On. Much love to you and Julie and the team and even your wife, <laughs> LOL, uh, Michelle and Roy. Dream On is a good song. I like that. 
Yeah. I, I don't know that. Well, I mean, I guess it musically qualifies as a ballad, but it's not a love song. I don't think it has to be a love song, a ballad. Have you looked up the definition of ballad? Maybe we should do that. Well, I have my own definition. <laughs> I choose to operate like the left and the party and create my own definition for things because then it's easily defensible. See, when you invent a word like like trans, you can make it mean whatever you want. I like that thing. So I, I'm going to, I said rock ballad is one word. It's what mine. About, I could trademark that one word, not even a hyphen, rock ballad, trademarked. I own it. What about um, Boston's More Than a Feeling? It's is too fast. Beautiful song. One of my favorite songs. I, I love playing that song on the guitar. One of the first songs everyone should learn on the guitar, but always play it on a 12 string. Okay. Ozzy Osbourne, um, what is it? Come home? Mama, come home? Mama, I'm coming home. Yeah. Yeah, that's a ballad, but he's a Satanist. Well, that wasn't the topic. Um, no, I. but see, I, I throughout the but show- it's rock. Rock a ballad, right? Right. But throughout the show, uh, because of this, this challenge from Granny J at the top of the show, this has been my concern is, is how do we find God in all this stuff? And I guess we can look at Ozzy and say, wow, this guy has won the treasures of the earth. And, you know, he can barely speak, but he can still sing. I mean, he's so incredibly addled by drugs. Um, mm -hmm. But when yeah. he can still sing, it's almost robotic. It's weird. And I know for a fact, because you remember the internet radio days, the guitar player for Black Sabbath looked our guy in the eye and said, no, no, we actually did sell our soul to Satan. So, well, so when I was a teenager, when I was like 14 and 15, I went yeah. through a heavy metal phase. I wasn't a Christian. And I, I liked that music as a teenager. And I was a very different person then. And I don't listen to it at all anymore. I have no feeling for it. And it's kind of when you look at the 80s rock bands mm -hmm. and especially the videos and the, mm -hmm. the tights and the big hair, it's kind of ridiculous. It's hilarious and ridiculous. But... I didn't take it seriously as, um, I mean, it was just fun music to me. And there, I would even say there's some fun cover bands in Seattle that do rock. And um, I think we do have to be careful what we listen to and put into our heads. Particularly with our kids. Oh, yeah. And I would just, I, I wonder this, if you and I had met, I mean, I would have been far too old for you. It would have, you know. If we'd met, because I'm I'm older than you. Not that um, much. I'm pretty old. But if we'd met as young people, I don't think we ever would have dated. I don't think we would. Because I would have been wearing a Letterman jacket, and you would have been saying, "Oh, look at the jock idiot," and you I had one the, side of your head shaved. I was the rocker chick in with, a leather jacket. Yep, with black. I thought I was Joan Jett. Okay. <laughs> so it's funny the way timing works. Yeah. Because now you no longer have a husband who does libertarian hot talk radio. Um, but, you know, God has grown us at different ways at different times. And what's so fascinating to me is that we can still look back at music like this and have this perspective now of older people and try to find the Lord in these things. But I, I wonder um, if as I become further and further discipled, I do wonder if I can even listen to a lot of these songs anymore. And that, that, that saddens me in a way, because I don't, you know, we're to be in the world, but not of it. Uh, so maybe I'm just playing games with myself, trying to find godly stuff in this. I think it's a waste of time to find godly stuff in it. Why would you? Because there it's, that wasn't what it was for. Yeah. And you can find godly stuff in other things. And, uh, uh, 
it served me at the time because yeah. I needed to be tough and I became, well, what I thought was tough until the world beat me down. And, you know, I ended up becoming a kindergarten teacher that wears dresses and pearls. So, right. But then the also, Lord changes I, us. I think the Lord didn't just didn't necessarily beat you down. Uh, I think the, the Lord uh, left us to our own devices. And finally, he said, do you want to hand up? And we had to say yes. And the Lord had to say, then take a knee. Life beat me take, down. Take both these. The Lord always lifts up. Life beat me down and well, and changed me, transformed right. me. Life apart from God. Well, the timing was God's timing. Um, we did meet in a way that was pretty unusual for a couple to meet. And so it's closer to 30 now than 20. Uh, is I it right? I think so. I no, think it is. 1996. All right. Well, it's a long time. I love you. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Thank you for thanking the audience this time. All right, guys, let us know what you think of the experiments. Don't know that we'll do it again, but it was fun. Uh, so go to the ToddHermanShow.com. Now, please go be well, be strong, be kind, and uh, let's spend some time listening to some Christian music now.